What is going on, crypto family? So today, we've got the super impressive Kiran Raj of Bittrex. We're gonna discuss um, the impressive exchange that they've built, the founders' experiences. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Bitfinex and Tether, uh, fake volumes, KYC processes, things to come in the future for Bittrex and so much more. Just a friendly reminder, the Crypto Beatles shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of myself, Robert Beatles, and my guests. I am the co-founder and the builder of the Monarch Wallet, host on TradingView Sessions and Crypto Beatles on YouTube. My opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. I am not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is extremely dangerous. You can lose all of your money. Always trade at your own risk. So without further ado, I give you Kieran Raj. What's going on, crypto family? So today we got Kieran Raj here with us. He is the chief strategy officer for none other than Bitrix. So awesome to have you here, man. Appreciate you making time for the community. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Cool, man. So I met you up in Seattle, saw you speak, very articulate. You know, you you, uh, you did a great job explaining, you know, some of the uh, the woes in the in the uh I guess in the crypto space in general with exchanges and kind of your vision for the future. So I thought it'd be great to get you on here and kind of, you know, rehash some of that for the people. But before we do that, I always like to, you know, find out a little bit more about the people, you know, behind the projects and kind of ask, you know, some personal questions, usually, you know, just kind of fun uh, questions to learn more about them and stuff. Right. So, and one of the questions I always ask people is if you could change anything in the world, it could be anything, it could be philanthropic, it could be blockchain, it could be selfish. You know, if you could change anything in the world, what's one thing that you would change? Oh man, that is a big loaded question. I would say <laughs> that my, my answer is nothing to do with blockchain. It's much more about uh, having people live in peace and harmony with each other. That's a great one. That's definitely a great one. So maybe tell us a little about yourself, man. You know, some of your background. I mean, obviously you're super impressive. I mean, you've got uh, quite the pedigree, right? So you got got uh, Justice Department, you got Homeland Security, you got Microsoft. I think we've all heard about them a little bit. So maybe just kind of talk, you know, a little bit about that and then kind of what brought you into crypto and what brought you to uh, Bitrix. Sure. Yeah. So I started my career in technology, uh, as you mentioned, as at Microsoft for a while, working on Windows platform almost 20 years ago. Uh, and then after that, I took, you know, I went to law school, became a lawyer and focused on like technology law, uh, intellectual property law, things like that. I uh, did that for a while in sort of the private sphere. And then I moved into the Department of Justice where uh, I focused pretty heavily on cybersecurity and national security issues. And while I was there, I worked for uh, the Deputy Attorney General, which is like the number two at the Department of Justice uh, on those issues. And one of the really interesting things about that job is it gave me a really sort of broad view of the different things that were going on in cybersecurity. And that's how I actually first came across Bitcoin. So, you know, we, uh, the Department of Justice took down this, this pretty bad operation called Silk Road back in October of 2013, uh, and they were using Bitcoin to do a lot of really bad things. And so my first interaction with Bitcoin was actually very negative in the sense that I thought it to be, uh, you know, something that criminals used and, and was used to facilitate crimes. And so from there to where we are now, I feel like my journey has been very much the journey of a lot of people who are in government where they have a, a kind of a bad connotation up front. But now as, you know, time has gone on, you see all these like really legitimate uses for Bitcoin and just blockchain more generally. It's been really interesting to see that transition. So I went from DOJ to the Department of Homeland Security, 
then after that, spent some time in private practice again. Uh, but the reason I got to Bittrex is actually back when I was at Microsoft, one of my colleagues there, I worked from for with them for about three years. He's actually the CEO of Bittrex and one of the co-founders. His name is Bill Shahara. And so Bill asked me to come join his company. And, and that's how I got here. It's awesome, man. That's a wide range of impressive titles. And so it's it's almost kind of like a fitting question for you. I mean, with you know, with your background, you know, working for like the Department of Justice and like you, you've seen like the New York Attorney General right now, they're going after like Bitfinex. <laughs> Bitfinex, all these bits, Bitcoins, Bitrix, Bitfinex, very sorry. So with uh, Bitfinex, I mean, what do you think, what do you think is going on there? Do you think um, Tether really has, you know, money backed by dollars? Do you think it's okay that Bitfinex was able to maybe move, you know, money to cover their trades or their losses? What's what's kind of your thought as a prosecutor as well as somebody in the space? Yeah, unfortunately, I don't really have much more to add than what's already been out there in the public. You know, you know it's certainly something that I know has, has gotten a lot of attention lately, but not sure there's much more that I can add than all, you know, what people are already talking about out there. And so where's uh, Bittrex uh, actually based? Where's where's your guys' headquarters and what areas of the globe do you guys cover? The Bittrex uh, headquarters is in the Seattle area. Uh, we also have an office out of uh, Washington, D.C. And so Bittrex um, you know, has customers, obviously, in the United States. But there's a company called Bittrex International. It's a sort of Bittrex Malt. It's a European entity. And that... Uh, that entity actually does not have U.S. customers. That's focused more globally across the globe. Uh, interestingly, Bittrex also, you know, because we're a technology company, really at heart, I mean, our founders are ex-Amazon, ex-Microsoft um, employees. We've really tried to build a platform for other people to use. So there's actually a lot of other exchanges and other technology companies that use the technology that we've built to help with crypto across the world. Gotcha. You know, a lot of people, they don't understand how hard and difficult, you know, blockchain actually is to develop, let alone keep cryptocurrency safe, right? So what's maybe something, I mean, you got, you know, your finger right on the pulse of this. You, you guys have an amazing exchange. You guys are under threat all the time. What's something maybe you know that other people in the space don't know about, you know, exchanges just in general? Yeah. Uh, what I know is that it's really helpful to have your three co-founders have 20 years of cybersecurity experience. Uh, mm-hmm. exchange. I mean, security is sort of principle one for our company. And, uh, and those guys, not only do they have 20 years of cybersecurity experience before they started Bittrex, each of them did, but then they've now had five years of experience in blockchain. And as you point out, blockchain is really complicated and there's a lot of different ways it can go wrong. And, and these guys have dealt with, frankly, over a thousand different blockchains in the five years Bittrex has been around. And so they've seen sort of every permutation of every scan, you know, sort of security issue that's out there, people trying to hack and and they're, they're obviously uh, very experienced at, at trying to push back. And so it's great to have that kind of experience running, running the company. Yeah, you got that right. So then a lot of people, when they, when they try to sign up for exchanges, one of the problems that they have is kind of the KYC process, right? You know, kind of walk us through that a little bit with like Bittrex. So how do you guys do your KYC process? Is it like automated for people, you know, like super quick and easy? Do you have lots of people trying to like, you know, scam you and things like that? just, you know, throw out a bunch of documents that they find on the dark web and try to create profiles. And how do you guys kind of ensure that the uh, the funds, you know, are only dispersed to the to the right people or, and you're only taking funds from the right people of sorts? Yeah, it's something that we, 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 we spend a lot of time with. So we have a chief compliance officer who spent 25 years at the Department of Justice. He actually was the chief of the Department of Justice's asset forfeiture 
and money laundering group. And so he's really helped build out the compliance program. And you have to remember the company started with like three people, three co-founders. And, uh, you know, John, who was our chief compliance officer, got here about 18 months ago. And has just been really, you know, building a, a very robust compliance program since then. But, you know, to answer your question, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward to, to, to go through the Bittrex KYC process, but there's a lot of automation and, and other things we do in the background. So what we require is, you know, when people sign up, not only do they have to provide a valid government ID, but they also have to take a selfie of themselves so we can match the picture on the ID with the picture that the, the person actually took. Uh, and so we use third-party services to make sure that the government ID is legitimate ID. It's not been, say, stolen or otherwise fraudulent. So that's one piece. We also use technology to do the matching of the selfie you took with the picture on the government ID. That's how we can make that process go pretty quickly. And then, of course, we run you know, the names through various different government databases, you know, consistent with our obligations as a, as a money services business. So there's a lot that goes into that just on the front end. And of course, on the back end, there's all sorts of transaction monitoring and other things that the compliance. Is most of that um, automated or is there still a lot of manual, you know, checks that have to, you know, take place? It's both. Yeah, I think there's, there's a combination of automation plus manual, uh, a lot of different flags and other things that, that get sent. And that's just part of building out a robust compliance program. Gotcha. And then, you know, you had mentioned that the three founders are all extremely versatile in, in cybersecurity and things like that. And, you know, as a user, we hear all the times, you know, all the time about, um, you know, exchanges being hacked. We wonder, you know, is it really a hack or is it really an inside job? Things like that. You know, kind of what, what's what's kind of your thoughts, you know, on these exchange hacks? And then, you know, what um, has Bittrex ever been hacked before? And, you know, kind of what's just your general thoughts on it and how much money should people leave on the exchange? Or should they keep it in cold storage? You know, just kind of the basics for people. Well, one of the things is, you know, Bittrex, and, and I'd say a lot of uh, uh, big exchanges are like this, do you use cold storage ourselves, right? So we, have, we, we do cold storage. Obviously, you have to have some sort of hot storage or hot wallets to be able to deal with withdrawal requests and deposit requests and things of that nature. But, yeah, security is super important. And, you know, that's why I think when, when folks are looking around in terms of, you know, what exchange do I want to put my cryptocurrency on, looking at like who runs the exchange, who are these folks is really, and what's their expertise is, is important. And I think our three co-founders and, and obviously just the other folks from the security team that are here, I mean, our chief operating officer used to be the chief information security officer. So the CISO of Amazon. Right, so that's pretty impressive um, credentials on on that uh, from our COO and, and the rest of the security team. You know, the other thing that that Bittrex does too is like we actually have audited financials, so we have real auditors that come in and audit us. You know, audit our books and records, and that's you know something where uh, obviously as a U.S. company we have to do that. Uh, and I'm not sure every exchange uh, follows those. Yeah, no, I hear you. Most of the exchanges that you see, you know, are outside of the United States for the most part. So you have a handful that, um, you know, are here in the States and uh, it appears that, you know, they're trying to play by the book, right? And do things, you know, correctly because the regulation, you know, is just such that um, they, they have to be careful. 
is the regulation pretty clear to you all right now is what's expected of you? Or is there still kind of some uncertainty as well? Like I know you guys applied for like your bid license and it was denied for whatever reason. Is there any reason for that? And then, you know, maybe just talk a little bit about the regulation in general and, you know, some of the problems you guys, you know, see with it and uh, things that you would hope that would happen to make things more clear and, and better for everybody. Yeah, sure. So let me take that in sort of two parts. So the first one is on the regulatory clarity part. You know, internationally, there's a lot of countries and a lot of jurisdictions that have put out very, very clear guidance in terms of what is allowed and what is not allowed from a token perspective. And in particular, I think Europe and and certain countries in Asia have done this where it's very clear, you know, just to give you a specific example, for our European entity I mentioned before, when we want to list a new token out of that entity, which again is not available for anybody in the United States, but for other parts of the globe like Europe, uh, you know, a lawyer can look at it in probably a day or two and tell us if it's if it's good or not. Uh, by contrast, the United States, it's a much different process. It's a much longer process. Now, the, the funny thing is when we met in Seattle, I think I was talking about a little bit of the lack of regulatory clarity. And then a, a week later, the SEC put out their new framework and the new guidance, which is obviously very detailed and it's something that I know, you know we're listening at. to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're looking like at talking. We got to listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I think this is one of those things that over time, we're going to get a lot more clarity, but probably in the United States as well. But, you know, at least as it ex- exists now, I think like the European model is, is a very interesting one for us because it just, it's super clear uh, in terms of where the lines are. Yeah, when, when I read that report, it's 13 pages long. I'm, I'm definitely not an attorney. You know, nowhere near as, as versed as you are in, in, in the laws and all the regulations and things like that. But it just basically read to me like 99% of everything is a security. So it seemed like pretty much everything out there is, is kind of classified as a security. And now everybody has to do their best to prove why it's not. Is that kind of how you read it? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, in fact, I don't think that's how the SEC has, has read it either. I mean, they've been pretty clear that, like, look, you've got to look at a number of different factors, and these are additional guidance. I mean, the Howey factors are those four factors, and what they've tried to do, I think, is provide even more guidance in terms of what, what falls under you know, each of those particular factors. So, I mean, I guess you have to remember that there's, like, and I think I might have said this at the Seattle thing, but we get about 2,400 requests a year list something on Bitrix. And there's probably four to 5,000 different projects out there. And so, you know, if you're looking at that universe, sure, there's probably a bunch of those that, that might fail that test. But, you know, the, I think the ones you really need to look at are the ones that, like the smaller group, the ones that are the bigger, the bigger tokens, which, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of those teams have had lawyers for looking at those things that have done an analysis and this will only help but get an even sharper type of analysis. You guys think you'll be able to get your bid license there in New York? You guys think that um, you figured out uh, what needs to happen to make that happen? Yeah, I think we're still looking at it. I mean, you know, um, not sure I have too much to add in terms of what's already uh, been said publicly on that stuff. But, you know, I think we're, we're sort of looking at all, all different possibilities there. Gotcha. Does, I mean, there's people that don't have a bid license that still operate in New York. Is it in you being an attorney, you would you would know there's things like prime trust out there, right? They have, you know, something that's called like a trust and they're able to operate in New York. So do you think that, um, you know, this bill license is really all that important if there's ways around it? Do you think people will start exploiting that or, you know, what's your thoughts on that in general and what kind of licenses do you guys actually have? You know, uh, so in terms of what licenses we have, we are licensed, Bitrix uh, in the U.S. is licensed at the federal level as a money services business with FinCEN. 
We have various different state money transmitter licenses as well. And then, you know, again, separately, we have our international entities, which are regulated by uh, international regulators, uh, depending on the particular country that they operate in. So our European entity is, is uh, regulated uh, under Malta and the Malta's uh, MFSA there. Uh, to your other question, you know, generally I'm, I'm kind of an optimist, so I just assume when people are operating in a jurisdiction, they have the appropriate licenses to do it. So, I mean, I don't know the specific, the company that you mentioned, but, you know, I just think the best of folks. So I'm sure there's, there's a reason or there's a, a thing that they've looked at that allows them to operate in that jurisdiction. And then another one of the questions people have, you know, Bitwise, they came out with this report that basically said 95% of the exchange volumes out there are kind of fake. What's your guys' thoughts on that? I mean, obviously, you guys are a reputable firm. You guys get audits. You know, you guys are trying to do things right. You know, kind of what's your what's your thoughts on that in general, especially being, you know, like a prosecutor? You know, I think it is something that, that we give a lot of thought to. And, you know, as you say, like, we do get audited. You know, we have high standards. Um, you know, we have folks like myself and, again, our chief compliance officers from the Department of Justice. Uh, and so that kind of stuff matters to us. It is very hard frankly, from a competitive standpoint, when we just see all this stuff out there that, um, you know, there's a lot, like you say, there's a lot of fake volume and there's a lot of, um, I think, research that's being done on that. And so, you know, hopefully that's the kind of thing that as a consumer, when you're looking around, you're trying to figure out like, you know, what exchange do I want to be associated with? You go to the ones that are, that are a little bit more reputable, where, as I said, like, you know, who the people are. I mean, a lot of these exchanges, especially the foreign ones. Uh, I mean, I should say there's a lot of good foreign exchanges too, like those kind of like our international entities that are regulated, that are trying to do things the right way. So I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush here, but there certainly are others uh, in the international space who who are not trying to do things the right way and who are trying to gain the system a little bit with the with the fake volume so they can move up in you know some arbitrary ranking. And that's just unfortunate. Uh, and, and that I think does potentially harm consumers because they might think, oh, this particular exchange is number, you know, three or four or whatever in the world. So they must be good when in fact, most of us take volume. And that's, that's unfortunate. No, you got that right. I, I think, you know, personally, my, my thought is that they're doing that. They're raising, you know, the volumes, they're manipulating things to, to rise the ranks. So that way they can kind of exploit some of the other crypto projects, right? Because they want to list on exchanges that have volume. So that way it brings, you know, some, some value to their community and liquidity for people, things like that. And then they actually charge, you know, the exchange charges these, uh, these companies a bunch of money and half a million bucks to list their tokens or list their coins. And they're out all that money. And these exchanges are basically just built a business model to exploit money out of these different uh, businesses trying to get their cryptos listed on, you know, exchanges with, with massive volume. So hopefully, hopefully that stuff's going to stop here pretty soon. And so, um, you know, as far as like, you know, you know, Bitrix in general, where do you guys see yourself in like five years? Where, where do you see this market kind of going? What kind of services do you plan on offering to, to your customers and, and attracting new customers, all that kind of good stuff? Yeah, I think we're, we're trying to really focus on the basics. Like we are a technology company first and foremost, and that's what we want to continue to do. So, you know, we, we spent a lot of time last year, like doing a lot with our infrastructure, which is interesting because it's not public, right? It's not, you know, it's not splashy, it's not flashy, but, you know, our matching engine is really, really fast. Like orders come through really quickly. Like we really built a solid product. And now I think, you know, when I look at 2019, 2020, it's really like expanding on the use cases, making things easier for people to use our platform, not just our customers, like our our normal consumers, but also, as I mentioned, like we have a huge contingent of companies that use us as a platform. 
And that really is, I think, one of Bittrex's strengths. So like, you know, even if you know, we didn't have that many customers on the platform, like sort of a normal consumer, there's just so many businesses that use us because of our blockchain expertise, our security, things of that nature. And I do think that's something that we'll continue to try to expand upon moving forward. Nice. So you're going to build out a, a security token platform within Bitrix? Is that kind of what I heard? Well, we, we, have, um, we have partnered with a company called Rialto, which is a broker dealer that has an alternative trading system to an ATS license here in the United States. So that is definitely on the roadmap. I know they are working with the SEC and FINRA in terms of, you know, how they can offer tokenized securities to, to folks. Um, so, you know, if we, that would be, again, that's a great example uh, of using our technology, which is in a, in a little bit of a different space. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, in general, things, everything's going to end up going tokenized. And so security is going to probably be, you know, the big play coming up and having that platform for people, I think is, you know, pretty, pretty important. So, um, and then you guys don't charge any listing fees, right? You know, to basically apply for Bitrix, it's, it's free. You just have to meet the criteria, things like that. Exactly. All right. And then um, I, I guess we'll just take it back to, um, you know, to you. So, you know, if I, I guess if uh, you were president of the United States for one day, what law or regulation would you change? Especially with your background, this, this should be a, a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's another tough one. Again, it probably wouldn't be in blockchain if I had sort of carte blanche. It's probably something in, in criminal justice or, um, you know, just in, in the privacy realm. I think we're seeing a lot of focus there and, and that those are those are pretty important areas. And then, if you could have any superpower, what would your superpower be, man? <laughs> somebody, I heard somebody else. Uh, it might have been actually that conference we were at in Seattle. So I feel bad taking. I think this person answered somewhat similarly. But the superpower I would want is uh, being able to understand and speak every language in the world, just to communicate with people. You know, I, I found that a lot of times communication can really break down barriers when you start understanding somebody. Uh, and can talk to them, it's much easier to, to really relate. And so that's something that they, for me personally, be interesting. No, that's a great one for sure. And then what's a book that's important to you or something that you recommend to other people? Uh, well, one of my favorite books is a book called Guns of August. It's uh, by a woman named Barbara Tuckman. And uh, it's a really fascinating look at, you know, how uh, a lot of times you're fighting the old war and not the new one. And, you know, I feel like that in some ways is a, is a good analogy for a lot that goes on in, in life. You know, you want to always be looking forward trying to make progress two more so favorite movie oh man that's a tough one there's just so many good <laughs> ones but it's probably the godfather godfather love it all right last one now this can be totally fictional it could be like mickey mouse it could be you know anybody that you want so living or dead two people ufc no holds barred cage match who would you want to see fight oh no i can't do that <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to go dark but no, uh, yeah. no, I don't, yeah. yeah i'm not a huge fan of fighting you know i know we'll, we'll, we'll push that one off Sure. Every other question. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> good enough. Good enough, man. It was great, uh, you know, hearing about uh, you as well as, you know, Bitrix, all the stuff that you're doing in the space. You guys have built a, a great exchange and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to use it as well. So uh, I know you got a busy day and I'll let you get to it. Unless you got anything else, man, I'll just make sure that we post the link and people can go to it. Great. And I really appreciate you taking the time and, and having me on. Really great talking to you again. And thanks so much. Likewise, man. Have a great weekend and God bless. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Huge thanks to Kieran. You know, I had a great time learning about you and Bitrix and what we can all look forward to in the future. 
Hey, peeps, just a friendly reminder, the Crypto Beatles shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of myself, Robert Beatles, and my guests. I am the co-founder and the builder of the Monarch Wallet, host on TradingView Sessions and Crypto Beatles on YouTube. My opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. I am not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is extremely dangerous. You can lose all of your money. Always trade at your own risk. Had a great time here. Love you. God bless you. Catch you on the next one.